Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, everybody. We got a great one today, you know, for a change. Neil Katyal is our guest, and he's going to talk about, you guessed it, the Jack Smith indictments against Donald Trump for trying to overturn the 2020 election. Trump seems guilty to me, but I'm not a lawyer. I played one in the sketch, as you know. But Neil is one of the great litigators in our nation. He has won more cases before the Supreme Court than any minority lawyer in the history of the country. Neil is of Indian, uh, subcontinent, India heritage. And I've done some research because I'm Jewish and we are a minority. And so far, I have not found a Jew that's won more cases uh, before the court than Neil. I looked up Lawrence Tribe, who's won a lot, but as I remember, Neil has now lapped him. But before we get to Neil, I, I just want to voice uh, my deep concern about where we are right now as, as a country. Despite all these indictments, and there's obviously uh, new ones coming from Georgia soon, Trump enjoys the largest lead in any contested nomination race that I've ever seen. And 70% of Republicans who say they'll vote in, in the primaries believe that Trump won the election. This is an unprecedented time. Barry Goldwater famously went over to the White House in 1973 and told Richard Nixon that if he were impeached by the House, that he and other Republican senators would vote to convict. So Nixon resigned. After January 6th, the House impeached Trump. Only seven Republicans in the Senate voted for a conviction, along with all the Democrats falling well short of the 67 needed. Immediately after that vote, Mitch McConnell, who voted for acquittal, spoke on the floor and said the following, and I'm not going to do my, my Mitch. This is the real audio. There's no question, none, that President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. No question about it. But then McConnell made some bogus argument about not being able to impeach and convict someone who had left office, which Trump had, because McConnell had delayed the impeachment trial until after January 20th. Now, if McConnell had held the impeachment in time and they'd voted to convict Trump, then Trump would no longer have been eligible to run for public office, and we wouldn't be in the very dangerous situation we find ourselves today. Okay, so after Mitch explains why he didn't vote to convict, he says this. We have a criminal justice system in this country. We have civil litigation. And former presidents are not immune from being accountable by either one. Yep, we 
have a criminal justice system in this country. And yesterday, I'm, I'm taping this in my conversation with Neil on Friday afternoon, the day after Trump was arraigned. McConnell was right. We do have a criminal justice system in this country, and you will notice that McConnell has said absolutely nothing about these indictments. Maybe that has to do with his, his health, which he and his office have been radio silent about, but that's another story. If Republicans want to win back the Senate and keep the House, do you think any of them are going to say that their presidential nominee is a crook? They blew it after January 6th. It was clear as day that Trump had orchestrated it, put the vice president in danger for his life, and then waited three hours to call off the crowd while they were beating the Capitol Police. So now we're in a situation where, thanks to Fox News and the rest of the right-wing media and social media, we are in the most dangerous moment for our democracy, for our, our country, that we have been in since the Civil War. Trump doesn't win next November if this is a two-way race, I don't think. Hillary lost because there was a three-way or four-way race. Jill Stein for the Green Party, Gary Johnson for the Libertarians. Johnson, no doubt, took votes from both Hillary and Trump. Stein only took votes from Hillary, which is why Hillary lost in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. Biden won because there was no third-party vote. In 2016, Trump won Wisconsin by 22,000 votes with 47.22% of the vote. Hillary had 46.45%. In 2020, Biden won Wisconsin by 21,000 votes with 49.45% of the votes. Trump had 48.82%. Now we have, we have this no-labels party which is threatening to nominate someone like Joe Manchin. Manchin is way behind in West Virginia. He's running for re-election uh, for the Senate in West Virginia, but he's behind the very popular Republican governor who used to be a Democrat. So instead of losing in West Virginia in the Senate race, Manchin may run for president to be a national figure, maybe with John Huntsman as his running mate. Well, that's going to siphon off moderates and conservatives who could not abide Trump, but would rather vote for Manchin than Biden. And you know that's a large group. And if Trump wins, goodbye our democracy. You know, on this podcast, I have been very careful not to use the word fascist when talking about Trump or the Republican Party. I think it slipped once. And that may have been when the Republican National Committee called the January 6th riot, quote, legitimate political discourse. But if Trump wins this coming election, we will have a fascist government. No question about it. I mean, his Justice Department will be headed by someone who makes Jeffrey Clark look like Atticus Finch. Trump has said the White House will take over all federal agencies. The White House. Just imagine what that means and who will stop them. Who's going to be the head of EPA, of energy, homeland security, education, state, defense? There will be no James Mattises in the next administration. 
He's going to start where he left off with cynical, corrupt, bad people. Now, after the announcement of his indictments, Trump's team compared this to, quote, I'm not kidding, authoritarian regimes like Nazi Germany. Now, fascism is one thing. When I say fascist, I'm talking Hungary, Turkey, you know, fascist. Not Nazi Germany, but I'm talking about the end of democracy and deep, deep, deep corruption and perversion of our criminal justice system and lots of cruelty to immigrants and to enemies and back to a perversion of our foreign policy. What happens in Ukraine? Well, he still admires Putin. Okay, enough of this. At least we'll have the Supreme Court to keep him honest. And speaking of the court, we have former U.S. Acting Solicitor General Neil Kochel. A great one for a change. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me learn real-life conversation in German. For example, let's say you wanted to order soup with your dinner. Die Suppe würde mir auch gefallen. That means the soup. <laughs> that, means, that means I would also like the soup. And that way, I get soup with dinner. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash franken. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash franken, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash franken. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Congratulations on more B. Harper again. Uh, the North Carolina case. Phew. State Supreme Courts can still override state legislatures. Is that... Uh, on voting and election matters or on just everything? Yeah, on any federal election matter, uh, the Republican Party has invested a lot in the kind of really crazy theory that state courts are totally cut out of federal elections, in part because Donald Trump lost 62 cases, most of them in state courts, yep. in the 2020 election. That could come up in this trial, all the cases he lost. Oh, absolutely. As well as this whole bogus theory that, you know, he could install fake electors through state legislatures and that the state courts and no one else had anything to say about that. It's just absurd. Um, but nonetheless, that is what went up to the Supreme Court. And many people were projecting that we'd lose. 
I worked super hard to give, I thought, a compelling oral argument um, based really on history, speaking to the conservative originalist methodology, and I was pleased to see the Supreme Court six to three six three in our favor. Yeah. Yay. Uh, congratulations, too, on your new podcast, Courtside with Neil Katyal, uh, where you discuss famous Supreme Court cases with some noted people, my friend John Mullaney, among others, uh, my friend Rob Reiner. So this is only with comedians. Is that what I understand? No, no, no. No, no, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, I happen to love comedians. Mm -hmm. and, and John Mullaney yes. and Rob Rainey, Reiner both just gave phenomenal episodes. Um, John wanted to talk about Morrison versus Olson, which is basically about how do you prosecute a president or a high-level uh, executive branch wrongdoing crime so it's really relevant and he read everything well john down. john's dad was a lawyer and i know he's fascinated with constitutional law yeah that's an understatement i would say obsessed i, I get texts from him almost every day now did i introduce you to somehow i i thought i did i don't you know. know everything good in my life in some way re revolves around you yes right after <laughs> more versus harper that day you said, my friend John Mulaney's in town. Can you guys get together? And I said, who's John Mulaney? Uh, no, I said, oh, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so uh, thank you for that. Uh, I'm, uh, it's great that that happened. Uh, and Reiner, is he does uh, Obergefell, right? Exactly. Reiner's just amazing. With deep heart and so knowledgeable about that specific issue about same-sex marriage equality, he really helped to fight for it. So it's a, it was a remarkably fun discussion with him. And both of those are already up on Courtside, which is uh, com. You know, when uh, that was decided, I wanted to put out a press release congratulating the Supreme Court on its decision legalizing same-sex marriage nationwide. But uh, I called Scalia's dissent, quote, very gay. <laughs> And uh, my team wouldn't let me put that out. Yeah, you have a good team. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so th this is th these are weekly, and uh, you're going to be doing 10 this summer or something like that? Exactly, yeah. I'm almost uh, more than halfway through now. I, I want to get, uh, if it's okay, uh, to uh, another interesting case, one that I think people will be talking about for years, if not centuries, and that's U.S. v. Donald J. Trump. And you make the case in a Washington Post op-ed that it should be televised. Why? First of all, I think that this is not just any case. I think this is the most significant legal case in our lifetimes and one of the very most significant in the history of the United States. It yep. will be up there yep. with, you know, Dred Scott or Brown versus Board of Education as a, a case that really sets out the values of what the American people are about. And, you know, the thing about United States versus Trump, it's, uh, it's a four-count indictment against the former president for using his powers as president. So this isn't like the stolen documents Mar-a-Lago case about what he did after he was president. He's using his powers to launch a coup. Yep. And, um, you know, <laughs> that's serious. Yeah. It, not just serious. It is like, you know, it, it is like, it's so antithetical to what this country is about. It's one of the reasons my parents came to this country is just the idea that we live in a democracy, that we get to decide our fate, that votes are counted and then recognized on January 6th and the counting in Congress. So now to get this televised, yeah. 
what has to happen? Because you write in the op-ed that this has to be decided by the judicial conference. Is that right? Well, it could be. So basically, you know, federal courts are different than many state courts. Many state courts allow uh, televised criminal trials. Some don't, but, but many do. But the federal courts since 1946 have had a rule that says you're not allowed to broadcast federal criminal trials. So there are two ways to get that, you know, really antiquated, ridiculous rule changed. One is by something called the Judicial Conference of the United States, which is the Chief Justice, John Roberts, along with a bunch of other federal judges, mm-hmm. they could just change the rule. Or you could have a law of Congress that changes the rule. Those are basically the two paths available. And, you know, I think we should be working on both of them because this is a trial in the name of the American people. It's going to take place in a courthouse that we pay for with our tax dollars. And the Sixth Amendment guarantees, after all, the right to a public trial. And there's a little bit of legal fiction going on that this trial is public because like six observers from the public will, the entire public, will get to see the trial in the courtroom. That's not a public trial. Well, Trump likes ratings, right? So he would want this on TV. No? Well, he's, you know, his lawyer said so at one point, and I'm very pleased to see that. And, um, you know, I think this is something that for everyone should want. Well, you can certainly bank on that if the Trump team says something. <laughs> exactly. That must be true. No, but if Donald Trump is so convinced and is innocent, you know, bring it on. You know, show us what your defense is at trial. Don't hide behind courtroom sketches and you know, cold transcripts. Let us see you. This is what, you know, I know you're, you you were uh, from Minnesota. I was special prosecutor in the right. George Floyd murder case. And when we tried Officer Derek Chauvin, Minnesota had never had a criminal trial and it had a flat that was televised. And the judge authorized it anyway. And I thought that worked remarkably well. The entire public got to see everything and all of the spin that was all around that trial tended to dissipate when you could see the trial for yourself. Yeah, it was, it was beautifully done. Uh, the prosecution was really well done, and credit to you and, and to the attorney general. Yeah, it was a great team um, led by Keith Ellison. But, yep. you know, I think that the, the bottom line is Donald Trump is a master at disinformation. And if we can't see the trial for ourselves, he's going to go out and lie about what the and his lawyers and, you know, his and whole Fox party and, and others will lie about what happened in the trial on a daily basis. That's their plan, and I'm sure they don't want to televise. But so the arraignment yesterday, uh, the judge, uh, Tanya uh, Chutkin, is is on August 28th when the parties come back after hearing their presentations, will set the date of the trial, right? Correct. And that's in, that's important. When do you think that will be? How much discovery? Obviously, the Trump people want to delay it as long as possible. Do you have a time frame in mind yourself? I do. I think uh, this uh, this will go to trial. You know, between December and March is my gut, um, and I think this can move fairly quickly. Um, and I say that for a couple of reasons. One. There isn't the kind of classified information issues and the stolen documents, Mar-a-Lago case that are going to slow that one down a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, The second is that Trump has already ventilated his defenses in court many times, like executive privilege and things like that. He tried that with the January 6th committee. 
lost it in the United States Supreme Court eight to one. So there isn't as much he's got available to try and slow things down. And of course, everyone's had a fair amount of discovery already because of the January 6th committee and all the information that it has uncovered. Now, Trump's attorney went on TV yesterday to say, Jack Smith has had three and a half years to investigate this case, so we should get three and a half years, oh my God. which I thought was interesting since three and a half years ago was like January 2020, nine, 10 months before the uh, presidential election. So that can't possibly be right. And more generally, the system doesn't work that way. You don't get to like add up the amount of time an investigation takes and then give it to the defense. Here, Trump's defense is all stuff that's within his control. It's, I, you know, I thought I won legitimately, which, you know, he can try that defense, but, you know, that's up to him and what he thought in his mind. So there isn't some extensive body of discovery that's needed. Or Trump's other claim is, what I was doing was just free speech. Yeah, but okay, uh, that that doesn't wash. That seemed like been one for the public, as opposed to where where is the free speech of lying? I I really won the election. Where when, when did that end? Um, so what was the moment that ended? Yeah, I think Jack Smith got it entirely right at page two. He said, "Look, you can say you won the election. I don't have any problem. That's the free speech. You can say whatever the heck you want." But you can't weaponize that in your statements and order people to do your bidding to try and disrupt the election. But that crosses the line into action. And Trump's point is, well, no, it's just speech. I just ordered people to do certain things. Well, I mean, that, of course, is a crime. If I order you, Al, to go and kill someone, you know, you work for me, that is just my speech. But it's obviously a crime. So... You know, this is something that has been well litigated in the context of conspiracy cases in the past because prosecutors, you know, go after conspiracies, which after all are just speech. And, and, and they are really serious about trying that as a defense, I don't think. I think that's just for consumption for the right wing public, I think. Well, maybe or maybe not. I mean, they don't have very much to work with when it comes to the defenses. I mean, there's the free speech defense, and then there's the what we call the mens rea, or criminal intent defense, because in order to commit a crime, you have to have a bad intent. And so Trump's argument is, I legitimately thought I won, so therefore I don't have the requisite criminal intent to commit a crime. And the big problem with that argument, there's two problems. One is, There's just a mountain of evidence that Trump was told repeatedly that he lost by everyone around him. I mean, repeatedly, 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 repeatedly. Exactly. So his attorney general, (laughs) you know, Bill Barr, his White House counsel's top White House lawyer, the national intelligence officials, all the election security officials, and most importantly in the indictment now, the indictment says that Trump himself acknowledged that he lost several times privately. So you've got that one problem, which is just the facts. The other problem is just a more logistical one. Who did he say that to privately? So we, uh, Among others, Pence, saying Pence was too honest <laughs> and uh, things like that. And then the logistical problem is very serious, too, because if I'm a lawyer and I want to put on my client's mens rea defense, the way to do that is to call that person to the stand and say, you know, what did you intend? But no criminal defense lawyer at least no decent one, will put Donald Trump on the stand because you have to worry he's going to perjure himself and lie 
and commit more crimes in the courtroom. It's just very hard, I think, for that criminal intent defense, which Trump's been trotting out a lot uh, on TV, to be practically implemented in the court. Uh, Pence will be testifying, right? Well, uh, I, I suspect he'll at least be invited and perhaps even compelled to testify. I don't know that he has any vertebrae left, if he ever had any. So I suspect he will. Well, he had some vertebrae uh, to uh, say no to Trump. And uh, yeah, no, he, he had that, you know, that day, you know, that moment, he had some discs in his spine. I don't know. But ever since it's been, you know, nonstop kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth. He seems to maybe be getting mad now. Yeah, um, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But he should be compelled to testify. And, and, and he obviously testified before the, the grand jury. And that is where some of this uh, came from, right? Uh, in the uh, indictment. I think that's right. And I think that there is a good amount of speculation as to who else might be cooperating in some ways in this indictment. Mark Meadows is the most interesting one. Well, that he wasn't an unindicted co-conspirator kind of hints at that, doesn't it? There's six people who are, you know, not identified by name, but are singled out as, as uh, unindicted co-conspirators. I think many or all of them may ultimately be indicted. But Mark Meadows just isn't there. And that's just a really interesting development that I and many others have been puzzling about. Well, a lot of Cassie Hutchison's uh, testimony was hearsay from Meadows, right? Correct. So it seems to me that since he isn't one of the unindicted co-conspirators that he is cooperating, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the witnesses. Will any of the unindicted co-conspirators testify? Will they be called? Um, so it depends on, on what happens with them. So Jack Smith has decided here this week to have really a lean uh, indictment. It's just, as you were saying at the beginning of our podcast, the United States versus Donald Trump. There's no one else in it. That's different than Mar-a-Lago, where sure. Trump has co two co-defendants. And I think that's because of the timing thing. Jack Absolutely. Smith wants this trial to occur quickly. And when you have multiple defendants, it can often slow things down. You know, that was an issue even in the George Floyd murder trial as well, you know, when we went after four people instead of just one. So, of course, Smith could decide to charge any of the other six at any time. And I suspect that there will be charges. The question then is, do those defendants flip and give evidence against Trump to Jack Smith? My gut is some will probably do that because at the end of the day, they know that Donald Trump isn't worth going down for, um, and his word can't easily be trusted. And so, and they're facing pretty serious jail time. And the whole idea of the conspiracy doctrine, it has its kind of main roots in Anglo-American law in flipping defendants. Uh, I wrote a big, long, review article about this for the Yale Law Journal, uh, you know, about 15 years ago. And that is what I think Smith is doing here, is, is dangling these charges against them, telling them, look, you better play uh, and tell the truth, otherwise you're going to face the consequences. What, what is the sequence of that? Because uh, it, clearly there's one indicted defendant here, and that's for a purpose, to get through this as fast as possible. To uh, How do you get these unindicted co-conspirators to agree to cooperate if you don't 
short of indicting them, there's a time period. And I mean, there's how does that work? Yeah. So a prosecutor can go to them and say, look, here's what we're thinking of bringing against you. Do you want to cooperate? So, you know, you can do it that way or you can do it the other way, which is do the indictment first and say, here's what you're looking at and may unseal the indictment and the whole public knows about it and then try and seek their cooperation afterwards. But if you do, if you do indict them, does that in, indicted co-conspirator have to be part of the trial or can you still just make it about Trump? If there's an indictment now um, and it's a separate indictment, then that trial can take place separately and on a, even a slower timetable. Now, Trump could try and move to say, well, those defendants should be folded in to my trial, um, but judges generally give prosecutors a fair amount of discretion over those kinds of questions. Oh, okay, I see. So, or Jack Smith could do the reverse, as he just did in Florida, add someone new to an existing indictment and an existing trial date. So he's got both options available to him. I see, uh, but that it wouldn't necessarily be in the interest of a faster trial as possible. Well, he would worry about that, I, and that's why I suspect that we'd be looking at separate trials so that one can take place on a slower uh, timetable than the Trump case. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Neil Katyal. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. We're back with Neil Katyal. Now, unfortunately, it seems to me that uh, a lot of this, this coming election will be about the last election. That's something that really concerns me, just because we won't be talking about problems that we have in the United States and that we want to solve. But that's Donald Trump's nature, right? I mean... Well, look, if you're Donald Trump, you want to talk about anything but policy and records. So, I mean, yeah, I'm sure, you know, he'd much rather talk about innuendo and ridiculousness about the 2020 election because otherwise he'd have to run on his record, which would be pretty tough to run on. Okay, for a minute, let's make you the defense attorney. Who do you call? What what, what do you do? How do you... I call a psychiatrist and I run the insanity defense. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, I think this is... I I can defend almost anything, but I think this is a really hard one to defend. You know, as I say, I think that there there is going to be a move to try and say there's no criminal intent here. And maybe he can call Melania or other people who can say... 
or will be willing to say that Trump legitimately thought he won and that he was acting to protect the American people. Um, you know, maybe you can get some people who'd say that, but, you know, all that is in a way hearsay. And if you're a juror, the question you're going to have is, well, why is Melania saying this? Or why is, you know, this person who works at the White House kitchen saying this? Why isn't Trump saying this? You're really undermining yourself here as a defense attorney, by the way. <laughs> the other thing to say, you know, the, the, the thing that you do have going for you if you're Donald Trump is you have the American criminal justice system, which requires the prosecution to prove under the highest standard in the law, beyond a reasonable doubt, that's way more than 50% or something like that. They really got to prove up their case that Trump acted with bad intent and committed some crime. And if one of the 12 jurors disagrees, then Trump goes free. So the whole idea of the defense attorney would be to throw up every possible thing you can. What about this? What about that? What about this? And so reasonable doubt in the minds of one juror. But the idea of he didn't know what he was doing, what, what, are, what are the proof points of that in the charging documents? Well, in, in the charging documents, it's, you know, page after page saying, you know, <laughs> okay. this person told you this, that person told you. I mean, literally anyone who's anyone, which is why I say this kind of half jokingly, but it's almost like you've got to be insane at that point to think you won the election when everyone told you the reverse. And the criminal law is not so crazy, Al, is to say you can have a nutso belief that's genuine and that alone is going to excuse your conduct. So like if I pull a gun out and I shoot you and you die, it's not a defense to say, well, I didn't know that bullets could kill people. You know, and you may have genuinely believe I may have genuinely believe that bullets don't kill people. Uh, you know, people kill people, who knows, um, but bullets don't. And that would go nowhere in a court every day uh, of the week. And I, I think that's the problem that Donald Trump and his defense team is going to face here. Let me let me ask you uh, a question about Garland, Merrick Garland, and the approach to this and whether or not uh, he started too late. And I remember when he went on TV and said, no, I'm, I'm, we're going, we're going to get people at the bottom and work our way up. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. And I thought, okay, that's how you do things. But it feels like this really was top down and not bottom up. And yes, the, uh, you know, uh, some of the extremist groups have been convicted, the Oath Keepers, et cetera. But really, this is top down, right? Uh, I totally agree. So Donald Trump is the 1,097th person to be indicted for the events of January 6th. There were over a thousand people before him that were indicted. Now, look, you know, maybe that makes sense. I'm always reluctant. You know, I remember people when I was at the Justice Department second guessing my decisions and so on. And, you know, some, sometimes they may have been right, but sometimes they just may not have been privy to all the information that I had. And so, there is that possibility here. That said, we're two and a half years after January 6th, and only now do we have an indictment. That strikes me as an inordinately long time. So that strategy, bottom-up, wasn't the right strategy, certainly. I, I would have liked to see bottom-up against, for example, the six co-conspirators early on. I mean, flipping you know, the yeah. random dude who goes to the Capitol 
with a baseball bat or something who may have taken his instruction from Trump's tweets and other things like that, but get obtaining the cooperation of that person isn't really going to build this case. So I could have imagined a bottom-up strategy that focused on more of the middle up, I guess, um, but that appears not to have happened here. Let, let's talk about just violence and the talk of violence. Uh, Eastman in the charging document said that there will be violence in the streets if we do this, and a White House lawyer said there'll be riots in every major city. And then Clark says that's why there is an insurrection act. Uh, why was that included? Well, um, it's chilling to read any <laughs> Justice Department official that would say something like that. And I think it's almost inevitable that Jeffrey Clark gets charged by uh, the special prosecutor here because Clark was so out of the norms of behavior of not just anyone at the Justice Department, but any lawyer, anyone uh, who has anything to do with the law that um, it's included because it's patently absurd. And what these people wanted to do is, and this is what the indictment makes clear, is throw out the votes of the American people in November and install their own slate of fake electors, which is not a thing in the United States Constitution, and just have a coup and make Donald Trump the president again. And were it not for a few brave individuals in places like Georgia and Arizona, that could have happened. Um, we came close. And so everyone focuses on the violence of January 6th and the right to do so, to see those images of our sacred capital being attacked. But don't forget that just a couple of days before, if a, couple, a few individuals just changed, you know, didn't have the guts to stand up uh, and these were almost all Republicans who stood up, but they were, and they did the right thing on that day. If they didn't, everything could have gone the other way. And there were Republicans in states who did the right things in, in key states, and uh, they're in, in Arizona, the Speaker of the House, and others, of course, the Secretary of State, and um, uh, God bless them for doing the right thing. But that's what you're supposed to do if you're an election official. It's pretty simple, I think, right? It, yeah, it should be. But, you know, Trump's made it complicated. Remember, even if he wanted to do the right thing, he called out the mob against them or his hench people did. And that's what happened in Georgia with those two women. It happened in place after place. And, you know, remember, it was a Georgia election yeah. official who went on TV just, I think, around Say, yeah, someone's going to get killed. Yeah, someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get killed. You know, that was a month before January 6th. Well, Neil, thank you so much. Uh, and, and again, I want to talk about uh, courtside with, with uh, Neil Katyal. Uh, you're doing about 10 of, those, 10 of those this summer and also updating things about this, about other stuff too, right? Absolutely, yeah. So if you just go on Substack uh, and get neilkatyal.substack.com, you can get the podcast. And um, Al, it's really just thank you for fabulous questions. Um, it's a privilege to talk to you about this. Always great to talk to you, Neil. Uh, thanks a lot. Thank you. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. That beautiful music is by Leo Kotke, the great Leo Kotke. I want to thank Peter Ogburn for producing this podcast. We'll talk again next week.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children. I'm Misha Brown, the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each week on The Big Flop, comedians join me to chronicle the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? We recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Abby's biggest misstep wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead, she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Join me to break down all the wild details of Abby Lee Miller's story. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.